Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Hello, everyone. It gives me great pleasure to introduce for today's Dharma talk, Seho J. Morris Zenji, our Dharma brother in the Northwest. Good morning. And uh, right now I'm on the East Coast and um, for today's Dharma talk, um, uh, I'm a person in long-term recovery. So uh, the way we're uh, guided to share is spontaneously. Uh, based on the present moment circumstances uh, that we're in. And so uh, that fits perfectly with this. So the place where I would start is the Jataka tale of, um, there are two distinct tellings of this story. Uh, and this is about uh, the parrot in the fire and uh, the general circumstances of this particular Jataka tale is there is a clouds, storm, floating over a dry forest, lightning strikes, no rain, but fire. And um, as the fire arises, there are some birds, it's parrots, and so they take wing <clears throat> and they're going to save themselves. But one bird looks back and down and sees its friends running in confusion in all directions. And it realizes that it can't just dip out, so to speak, as the young people say today. So um, desperately it looks and sees, ah, oh, there's the lake and it dives down into the lake, this parrot, but obviously it can't carry um, a great deal of water, but it flies into the water, comes out, and as it flies through the maze of flame and fire and all the things going on, it just shakes its wings. And as the droplets descend from the sky, from its wings, the fire just devours it. And despite this, heroically, with a bodhisattva effort, the bird does this again and again and again. And at one point, the bird is exhausted and just falls from the sky and dies. And the way that particular version of the story is told, uh, 
because of its bodhisattva determination, its willingness to part with its own life for the sake of its friends, gained a favorable rebirth. Nothing to save it from the circumstances, but still. In the second telling of the story, it's a great parent. Same circumstances, same lightning, same fire, flame, turmoil. But in this particular telling, above in the clouds are the gods. And they're just looking down at this bird and they're just thinking how absolutely ridiculous. And so the gods are laughing, not caring, except for one. And he's like, hmm. This bird is extraordinary that it would do this, but it's so foolish. And so the God, this particular one turned himself into an eagle, shimmering, beautiful, and descends and meets the parrot in the sky and says, you're going to die. You need to save yourself. You cannot save them. It is a hopeless task. Leave and depart now. Thunderous. The parrot replied to the eagle, I didn't ask for your advice and continued. Eyes red with fire, wings, claws cracking. This brought great sorrow as the eagle, the god, looked back at his friends who were still laughing, began crying. And as the tears fell from the eagle, the fire was put out. The land was healed. And the parrot this gray parrot was turned into colors of green, red, blue, absolutely beautiful. And everyone rejoiced, saved from the circumstances. That story is now. A year ago, uh, almost to the day, to the week for sure, um, I was in California at uh, Spirit Rock Meditation Center for a 10-day Sashin retreat. Um, though there was some talking in this one. And um, this was the, called, known as the Gathering Two. So it was the um, teachers, scholars of African-American descent, and it was 70 of us practicing, talking. Most of the teachers I had never met before. Um, they were from all uh, sects and lineages from uh, Soto Zen. I was the only Rinzai practitioner there. Um, 
Tibetan, Theravadan, you know, Thai forest tradition and um, practicing deeply. And it was quite moving. And what we were essentially talking about, though it wasn't stated in the way of this particular Jataka tale, it is this fire that was burning, smoldering uh, after the election. We all kind of knew what could happen in this particular circumstance. And if anyone is of a particular political leaning, I mean no disrespect, but as a member of the lowest rung caste in our society, we were pretty sure how this was gonna go. And what was kind of frightening was um, that we all talked about is, is how the dominant caste members had no idea uh, how deep the hole goes and what uh, people can actually be capable of. Adding to this, um, when I returned, uh, I was just, because uh, this was after Golden Wind Sashim last year. So, um, you know, there's this, uh, even a broken clock is right twice a day. And there is, um, political theorist at the time. He was a Nazi. He was a member of the Nazi party. His name was Carl Schmidt. And one of the things that Carl Schmidt had said is, sovereign are they who are beyond and can make the exceptions. When you're in power, there's a, a profound responsibility. And how do we lead with care, compassion, and love, or dominance, control, poverty mind? So when I returned to the East Coast and returned to DBZ, Shinge Roshi happened to be there. And in this dimly lit room, we talked. And I asked for an exception. I couldn't tell precisely what was going to occur, but it was just something in me and like this bird, I'm insignificant. I'm just a grain of sand across a wide beach. But uh, it is my vow and uh, congratulations to those who have taken Jakai and those who have been recently ordained in Sui. It's a great vow. It's not trivial. Always do good, never do evil. This is the everlasting law of all the Buddhas. This Kesa, these Raksus, they're a commitment and Mandala Day is perfect. I had no idea 
wasn't in my mind, but, you know, endless dimension, universal Sangha relation. That Daibasatsu, Renji, Soboji, society, we're all one people. We're on the same planet. <clears throat> and we need each other. When I first came to DBZ many, many, many years ago, what struck me uh, and confused me at first was that we sat facing the wall. And I said, I've read some books. I thought we're supposed to be facing each other. Soto Zen, they face the wall. What's this about? And Junpo, or at the time we called him Junboshi, said, out of respect for Eda Roshi's relationship for Hakuin Yasutani Roshi, we sit facing the wall. And it didn't matter if he was not Rinzai. It is out of great compassion and care that we do this. And so I learned to sit facing the wall. Today it's different and that's okay too. But the lesson was not to make distinctions. Donge John Haber was there. HIV, accepted. I was there, accepted as a person of color. Women were there, accepted. People of all nationalities across the globe, Germany, South America, obviously the United States, Japan, China. Everyone was accepted, treated the same equally, equality. To me, it was a dream because I never experienced being out of the fire. Still, still a fire, but in a different way. So this exception was granted by Shinge Roshi. And out of her kindness, out of her compassion, out of her understanding, that's what authentic leadership in my experience can be. That we trust each other, that we don't fear each other, that we extend not looking always into what's logical, but this bodhisattva nature. And uh, one of the things which comes to mind is Aikido. That in most of the martial arts, the, the deity or the patron that they take on is actually Fudo, which is a movable wisdom. But the founder of Aikido, Morie, 
he selected Avalokiteshvara, Kanzeon, Kuan Yin, because it was about compassion that when we engage each other, we don't have to meet as adversaries. We meet as compatriots, friends, and though we may have different views, we don't have to bring each other to harm. Diversity is our strength. So the cast and the color is obvious. There's that wall of flame. There's also the wall of flame of the environment. And there's also the flame of still in the society, so sick, misogyny, patriarchy. It's a problem. And so yesterday, uh, not far from Washington, DC, so I went. Um, and there at the Supreme Court, there was a very, 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 very big march. You know, one of the talks that Shinge Roshi Teisho's that she gave is despite the failures, the humility of saying, I have failed. I have not always succeeded in the way which I would prefer, but still march on despite the catastrophic failures of our life. And so this bodhisattva effort, it's obvious in the Senate, that they're likely to have the votes. And the vote is on uh, October 22nd. And they're going to bring it out of committee. This judge. And people, there were signs, people singing and crying. And outside of this march, innumerable women, you know, we do the mudra. You know, and I always say that uh, for me, the right hand goes to the left hand. I was taught originally at DBZ that the left hand, which is the wisdom of nature, holds the compassion hand, which is our active compassion. And we join the thumbs together. And then the monk who was uh, giving the instruction at the time, Segan Fudoi Glassing said, and the Enzo that it makes is the Dharma gate that we all pass through, which is the womb of our mother. So all these people, but many, 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 many women, some oddly dressed as the handmaid's tale with their lips, they had like string closing their lips trying to drive the point dipping their wings in their own way in the water of the circumstances, pretty sure that they wouldn't be able to turn it around. The Republicans are dead set. 
They want that last seat. They want to replace RBG with the polar opposite of who and what she was to drive the point. Sovereign or they who declare and determine the exceptions. It's horrific, not just for women's rights, but those who are in the LGBTQ community. Fire everywhere. It's unbelievable where we are. I was foolish and immature. I always thought that we were on a better path and that somehow, somehow, some way, the nature of America, that the system would somehow be self-protecting. I was 100% wrong. We can have the form of Zen all we want, but each of us in our own way is responsible for the stewardship of the Sangha and helping to support and maintain the form, the silence, the tenor, the equanimity, the vows. The vows don't protect themselves. We are responsible. We have the ability to respond to them with a caring and worshiping heart. On September 22nd, so reading a story, there's a man, John Wendell Williams is his name. And uh, he was 71 years old and he had cancer, was dying. Shimmering bird wings. His vow always do good, never do evil. That is the everlasting law of all the Buddhas. His vow was to make it far enough that he could cast a vote, his last vote. Uh, he's from a place called Birmingham, Michigan. Surprisingly, because he didn't think it was going to make it to November 3rd, there was early voting. And so this 71-year-old prostate cancer person, extraordinarily weak, his son and daughter-in-law help him into the car. They go to the voting location. His son wants to help him to walk the vote to the box. And he said, no. 
this is my last vote and I want to do it under my own strength, under this power. Reverence and all. Fierce determination. He cast his vote and put it in the box. He died eight days later. Bodhisattva determination. Sometimes, but there's an ugly man-made reality behind it. The man-made ugliness behind it despite casting his vote under his own power and putting it his vote in the box because he died he was and his son was informed your father's vote will not count he died the son argued but he did it when he was alive sorry his vote for Joseph Biden will not count. And anyone else who is also on that ballot that he voted for. No exception. For me, it's horrific. You mean the only time that we matter is when we're alive? What about karma? No knowing. Last story. Second to last, perhaps. Recently, some of you may have heard this gentleman by the name of Ice Cube. I hate when they use acronyms like this. Uh, I, too, have my own racist issues. Uh, even though I am uh, a Black person, I really don't favor that I'm, a, I'm what's known as an assimilationist. Sometimes I think that if we act right, say the right things, do the right things, that uh, we'll finally be accepted. But the reality is that's not always so. And so at any rate, Ice Cube had this plan for quote unquote, Black America. And um, the idea was uh, the Biden campaign, they said, there's actually a lot of good points in there, but let's talk after the election if I win. The Trump campaign talked to him. He got into a lot of trouble <laughs> with uh, uh, the POC or person of color community or BIPOC community. A lot of grief and uh, particularly because uh, the administration promised uh, minority communities $500 billion of support. And he was saying, but I got $500 billion. And uh, this is the part of the movie where I always say, we are consistently smart as human beings, but inconsistently wise. And that's how we get into trouble.
what minority communities fundamentally, you know, money is okay. You know, I, I like Apple iPhones. I get it. But money is not the point. What minority communities really want doesn't cost a dollar. It's just to be treated equitably and with equality. That's the endless dimension universal Sangha relation. That is the heart for me personally of the Bodhisattva vow. I appreciate our practice. We are all in this fire, practicing in our own way. Some directly, like myself, being in these marches and doing these things and sometimes getting tear gas shot at me, um, somehow managed Dharma arrangement, perhaps not to be arrested in these things. And despite the pre peaceful protest, the police would just beat you up. It's terrible. And Zazen, being at Daibasatsu on Daibasatsu Mountain, putting the Dharma energy into the practice, the spine, into the ground, into the sky, into the earth. We have so many fires. Like I said, it's not just racism, it's climate change. We've probably gone too far. Now it's about minimizing the damage. We have homelessness, we have hunger. And the, the nice thing about this Zen study society, endless dimension, universal community is each in our own way, we are actively working to meet our circumstances to the best of our ability together. We're better together than apart. It's a jigsaw puzzle. There's no one magic answer. There's no one magic person. And for me, there is no uh, God that's going to drop out of a sky on golden eagle's wings to save us. But the Dharma, this mysterious power is in my experience, part of us. I experience the synchronicity of it all the time, which is one of the reasons why my personal definition for Dharma, for Western culture, uh, best translation that I've arrived at personally is grace. Dharma is grace. In closing this share, one of the things that I've been reflective of a lot lately is Yakujo's Fox. And if you don't know the koan of Yakujo's Fox, I invite you to read it. It's very interesting. 
it's fundamentally a story about karma, but I have um, revised it for myself. It goes like this. In a hall in Washington, DC, John Lewis, the civil rights activist, week after week, gives talks to young activists. Each time he's giving this talk, there's a white person sitting at the back of the room with the young activists. Eventually one day, he stays behind. John Lewis approaches him and says, what are you doing here? I see you all the time. But you, you never ask any questions and you just, whenever, when the others leave, you know, you leave. What's gotten you to like stick and stay today? And he said, I was born to great wealth and power in my family, but I never really subscribed to this whole caste system racism thing. So I've done everything that I can to be a really good white ally. But one day, a young activist asked me, because of all your sacrifice and all the things that you've done to help POC communities, the women's movement, women's rights, Are you free of the causes and conditions of your privilege? Have you joined us on the bottom rung? And he replied, yes, I made the ultimate sacrifice to put my skin in the game. And instantly he was shunned by everybody. Cancel culture, he was done. Mr. Lewis, you know so much, you're so wise. I'm asking you, am I free of my karma, my causes and conditions of uh, white male patriarchy? And John Lewis replied, we don't ignore it. No, you're not. And, but it's still our responsibility to heal this generational madness. How do we put this fire out? No knowing. Will we succeed? I'm terrified that we don't. If this continues in the way that it does, what will this mean? 
that we are not who we thought that we were. I look at the children of Rudy Giuliani and Kellyanne Conway. They're children, daughters, women, standing up to their fathers, speaking truth and mothers to the best of their ability, trying to really head everything off at the pass who is going to potentially further the chaos. I don't know how it's gonna turn out. But I won't stop practicing. I won't stop marching on despite all the failures, my personal failures. We just keep going because that's the Bodhisattva vow. And as I always like to say, <clears throat> progress rather than perfection because I've never met a happy perfectionist. I appreciate so much your talk. And I particularly love the way you began introducing yourself as someone in long-term recovery. And I thought how absolutely perfect I understand that that is an accurate description of your your own life and your own journey, but what a what a wonderful description also of what it means to be a Zen practitioner in long term recovery from addictions of all sorts, whether it is an addiction from a particular drug an addiction to greed, an addiction to self-centeredness, an addiction to prejudice or narrow-mindedness. It's such a wonderful phrase, long-term recovery. And I think we can all appreciate the journey that you've taken and the journey that each of us are on in this long-term recovery. <clears throat> I was very, very moved by your story of the bird and of the self-sacrifice and the effect that it had on the gods <clears throat> and how just one God saw this sacrifice and swooped down and offered some unwanted advice. And rather than be disturbed that his advice was rebuffed wept and in the weeping healed everyone. 
what a wonderful story and what a hopeful metaphor for our current situation. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org slash donate. Thank you for listening.